Hello and welcome to the Flex. It's Matt St. Jean and Joe Howie here bringing you the uh, unofficial podcast of the Big East regular season champion, Providence Friars. They got that win over Creighton on Saturday, get to hoist the trophy on senior night. You heard us <laughs> yelling into the mic in the car on the way home. Friars have one more game, though, Joe. Tuesday night at Villanova. Chance for a little bit of revenge. This is certainly going to be an interesting one. That's one hell of a way to finish the season, that's for sure. Yeah, a little bit of revenge and a cherry on top of a, of a really well-earned Big East regular season championship. Um, with respect to, you know, Big East seeding, the, the race for the championship, all of that is said and done now. Um, obviously, you know, um, so I think at this point you can go into this game playing loose. If you win, it's great for the resume. It's uh, a payback game for what Villanova did to you at home. And it's a cherry on top of what has been a fantastic season. If you lose no real slap on the wrist, they're a good team. Um, maybe some repercussions with respect to seating on whatever that date is, March 15th, March 13th, whatever that Sunday selection Sunday is. But no, at the end of the day, 13th, 14th, yeah. Yeah. What, we, yeah. Selection Sunday, you may get a slap on the wrist, but at the end of the day, the opportunity is still ahead, and I hope the guys are sharp. Yeah. You said it there. Cherry on top. That's kind of how you're looking at this one. Friars with a win would beat every Big East opponent for just the second time in program history. The only other time they did that. 2020. So that's a lot at stake there for them. And a lot at stake, like you said, when it comes to seeding. Villanova currently seated on the three line by most bracketologists. The Friars on the four line, but by just a hair. Most of what I've seen is the Friars are able to get a win here. Odds are they are going to jump Villanova in the seeding which is very important when it comes to regions. The Friars want to get that East region. Villanova's ahead of them. It's going to be a lot more difficult for the Friars to find themselves seated there. But when you talk about jumping Villanova, we saw the Friars do that this morning in the AP poll, moving up to number nine. Meanwhile, you got Villanova dropping out of the top 10. I thought for sure this was going to be a top 10 matchup. The AP voters, they disagree. They're going to drop. They dropped what, three spots after that loss yep. to UConn. Yep. Um, you know, top 10 matchup aside, these are still two really, really good teams. Um, and I, I think you're right, Matt. I thought, you know, maybe Providence would be in the nine to 10 range with Villanova in the seven to nine range. I thought we were going to be within a, within a spot or two of one another. We still are just Villanova has fallen outside of the top 10. Um, and listen, not that it really matters with respect to the game. The game will still be played the way it will be played. I don't think your, your AP ranking really has an impact on it, but it definitely very interesting to see, you know, us jumping Villanova in the, in the AP poll. Especially after the Friars lost to Villanova earlier this year. And I don't think there's a way to talk <clears throat> about this game without talking about that one. He had the pink out in Providence. The most raucous crowd I have ever seen at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. The Friars couldn't get it done. They were close. They were close the entire game. The game was really never out of reach until the final 15 seconds. But it was Colin Gillespie who was top dog that night. 
knocking down everything, including a late three off that high pick, high screen action that we've seen Villanova like to run. Friars couldn't adjust. Villanova hits the shot. Gillespie knocks it down, and they walk away with an 89-84 to win. A very, very high-scoring game. And I think the key for this one, for Providence, got to shore up that defense. If Villanova is scoring nearly 90 points on you in regulation, something's gone wrong. Yeah, I agree, Matt. You know, um, and listen, if you're scoring 84 points in your home gym in front of a sold-out, pinked-out Dunkin' Donuts Center against any other team, you win that game. Um, But because you didn't play well on defense and you were playing Villanova, they make you pay. So I think if I'm Ed Cooley, I know the mantra this season for the prior two losses against Virginia and Marquette has been, you know, we're going to throw that tape out. Uh, I think you got to rewatch this tape and you got to rewatch it in depth. You got to capitalize on, on what Villanova did wrong. And then, you know, kind of look at what they did right and try and adjust defensively. I think first and foremost, and you know, this is something we talked about about a nauseum in the post game is high ball screens. You know, that was their bread and butter. And that got them a lot of open looks that got Gillespie and more a ton of open looks. We've seen some adjustments on it since, you know, it, it kind of ebbs and flows. I think against Butler, you saw some adjustments, but then Xavier ran it, Creighton ran it. And, you know, again, we, we got back into going through the motions with it. I think you have to be tight on that. Ed, Jay Wright is a simple guy. He's going to look at the things you do wrong and he's going to exploit you for doing them wrong. If high ball screens is what he, he picked out the first time, chances are they're going to be running a lot of high ball screens again. Yeah, they're going to, at the very least, Villanova is going to test you early to see if you have made the adjustments you need to make. Namely, it means going over the top of screens, hedging on screens, and basically you got to take away the ball handler on anything high because uh, unlike most teams, Villanova is more than content to beat you from the outside in. If you give them even marginally open three-point looks, they're going to fire those all day. And... In I don't know, 25 of the 30 games they play every season, they're going to hit them and they're going to score a lot of points. Yep. That's how they've done it, it for years. It's the opposite of kind of what the Friars typically are built to defend. It's the opposite of the way a lot of offenses in the Big East run. And Villanova's really good at it. That's why they're at the top of the conference every year. It, great point, Matt. This is something it's Villanova's bread and butter. You know, you have seen this in the inside the huddle features on Fox sports one with Jay, Wright. You've heard him talk about it in post-game press conferences. You've seen it in, in the literature. You've seen it everywhere. His mantra with his team is catch to shoot, not catch mm-hmm. and shoot, catch to shoot. That means that when the ball reaches your hands, your feet are set and you're ready to go. There, there should be no, no transition time between catching the ball and shooting. You have to catch the ball and you shoot it. Um, another thing he says a lot is shoot it up and sleep in the streets. So this is a Villanova team that, is wired to shoot from outside, to shoot from beyond the perimeter. And if you're the Friars, you really, really got to hone in on your th- your perimeter defense, high ball screen defense, like we said. But you need to be much more alert uh, overall defensively because, you know, again, I don't think our offense was the problem. We did what we were supposed to do. You pound the paint against a smaller team, and we outscored them by 18 in the paint. That's what you're supposed to do. But with that said, improvements need to be made against an extremely disciplined team that will exploit you when you let them. Absolutely. And you talk about the three point defense. I think that we've seen them make some good adjustments over the last week and a half, the last three games that they've played. 
the Friars allowed 11 made threes by Villanova in each of the three games since they've allowed just five. And okay. none of those none of those teams are particularly special from deep, but old Butler to five made threes. The old Xavier, they're a pretty good shooting team to five made threes. And Creighton, Creighton's not a great shooting team, so they were really defending the paint a lot more in that one. And I think that game plan translates less than the other two. But this is, I mean, I think we've seen the Friars play really good defense on high ball screens in past years. And this year, they just had a bad game against Villanova. And you combine that with Nova shot the lights out early and often. They got the Friars back on their heels. And I think from an intangible perspective, the Friars need to set the tone early. You can't, especially on their home floor, you can't let Villanova get a couple early, a couple easy shots in the first, I don't know, first four minutes and get up a basket or two. Because that's what happened in the last game. The Friars were chasing them for 40 minutes. You need to make things uncomfortable for them. You need to get them out of their element. We've seen Providence do that at Villanova before, not at the Finneran Pavilion where this game is being played, but we've seen them do it at Wells Fargo Center. Yeah, that great, great point. Um, you talk about this first matchup. Villanova came out and they were they comfortably took a three on their first offensive possession and killed it, uh, drained it rather. And it was Justin Moore. He had uh, 17 first half points. Am I is that correct? Justin. I think he had less than the, I don't I don't remember the half splits off the top of my head, but he finished with 19 points. He made four threes. Yeah, I was. He, he regardless, he drained the first three. You know, Villanova came out comfortable. And, uh, you know, you look at the, the environment of the Dunkin' Donuts Center this year, this season, specifically the, the final couple of home games, that says a lot about their composure. So if you can do anything to disrupt their composure and make them feel off kilter to begin the game, do it. Because they came into your home, your building, and they played like it was the Wells Fargo Center, like it was the Fenneran Pavilion. And now you have the opportunity to go down there. Villanova students are on break. Not that, not that it makes much of a difference, but, um, you know, maybe the, the air ball chants, which seem to be the only thing they know how to do, you won't hear those anymore. But uh, <laughs> I digress. You have to go in there. You have to make them feel uncomfortable from the opening tip. You were correct on Justin Moore, by the way. Actually, you were, you were wrong, but in the way that I didn't anticipate on Justin Moore, he had 18 first half points and only one point in the second half. Okay, so off by a point. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, the, the point still stands. I mean, you, you let their shooters get open and start hitting early. We've, we actually have seen, I said we haven't seen the Friars defense stifle Villanova at Finneran Pavilion before, and I don't think that's actually quite accurate. If you go back to last year when these two teams met there, the first half, Providence really shut them down. The second half, Villanova absolutely exploded. But through the first 20 minutes, they held Villanova to 24 points on their home floor. I think that's the lowest that Villanova had scored in half since their game against Providence the year before at the Wells Fargo Center when they only scored 18 first half points, uh, if I'm remembering that correctly. The problem was they started shooting as they started hitting it in the second half. That's the other thing that Providence is going to have to avoid. Villanova is a well-oiled machine. You know, they're a Fortune 500 company, if you ask some people. And you can, I don't know, it's the same thing we've said about the Friars all year. The Friars are a veteran team. They're experienced. They can play mediocre basketball for 35 minutes and turn it on for five, and that'll be enough to win the game. Villanova is good enough to do that same exact thing. So yeah. you really, you can't just 
play good defense early. You have to play good defense early, but you got to play good defense early in the middle, late, all 40 minutes through all 30 seconds of the shot clock. Because Villanova, they're not afraid to take you deep into the shot clock and hit the shots late. Like, not unlike Providence. In a lot of ways, these two teams are very similar in their profiles. And the fact yeah. that it was such a high-scoring game last time is really an anomaly if you look at what they've done this year. That's a great point, Matt. You know, I, I think even in the pregame interviews with, with John Fanta and Ed Cooley and Jay Wright, you heard both coaches, you know, sing the praises of the other team's defense. And both coaches said, you know, we expect a low-scoring game. And this is what Villanova does is they make you go into they make you get into a shootout. You know, they start taking the lead um, and out of disparity, you feel like you need to score at a higher volume than than get stops. Um, Is that exactly what happened? No. But in a foot race, if you're going to go against Villanova with respect to offensive power and scoring uh, nine times out of 10, you're going to lose that foot race, which is why if you're the Providence Friars and you're a more defensive savvy team, you got to go with your bread and butter for the entirety of the game. And this is a, a Providence team that we've seen close out games. You know, uh, it, look at the past couple of games. Look against Xavier. Took three overtimes, but you closed the game out. Against Butler, it took an overtime, but you closed the game out. Against DePaul, took an overtime, but you closed the game out. This is really the one that kind of got away from us so far this season. The other two losses... All right, you got your doors kicked in. Bill Raftery said, you know, every once in a while you get a flat tire. Fine. This was the one game that the Friars really couldn't close out in the end. And we were playing with with Villanova, absolutely, offensively. But when it it comes down to to the specifics and the nitty-gritties, you couldn't close this one out. You hope to change the outcome this time around. You play your style of game, you get them out of off kilter, then you close out the game. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's really it right there. You got to get them off kilter much, much easier said than done with these teams, especially when you add on that this is a Villanova team where guys like, I mean, Colin Gillespie is playing his last game at Finneran Pavilion. It's not senior night because they already had the ceremonies, but this is his last game there. And they're coming off a loss. We know Villanova doesn't lose two in a row very often. We know Villanova does not lose at Finneran Pavilion very often. They had a week-long break here to rest up. Since Villanova played their last game, that game at UConn, the Friars have played a triple overtime thriller and played Creighton. We've played 80 more minutes of basketball than them in this stretch. So yep. Villanova is going to be more rested. They're going to be very highly motivated because they don't like it when teams beat them, <laughs> especially uh, the, <laughs> over the long stretch. Well, I mean, you want to hear a crazy stat here, Joe? Sure. Since the reformation of the Big East, this is going to be just the second game Villanova has played where at tip-off, they did not have a shot at winning the Big East title. Wow, played played 159 Big East games up until this point, 158 of them out the tip. They had a shot. The only other one was a couple of years ago when Xavier won the conference and Xavier won their game on the last Saturday, which was what eliminated Villanova from title contention when they played later. So if those games were reversed time wise, this would be the first time that this has ever happened where Villanova's tipped off a game. So this is. It's new territory for them, but at the same time, we've seen Villanova with their backs against the wall all too often, and we know they rebound. So 
yeah, it's not going to be the raucous environment that the dunk was, but we know that this team is going to be locked in. And you're not, you're, you're just not going to beat Villanova without giving them your best shot. I think the defense is going to be the key to that because the Friars really, with the exception of the one pink out game, when they've beaten Villanova in recent history, it's because the defense has put the clamps on. I think you need yeah. that again. And quite honestly, Matt, if you look back at the last time the Friars won at Villanova in 2019-2020, obviously it was at the Wells Fargo Center, but not that that really matters. It, we won at Villanova, and the final score was 58-54. And quite honestly, there was a point in time where the score was 56-48. The only reason Villanova even came back is because they were flying up the court and taking any shot possible. I think they got a couple of free throws and – um, what's his name? He's not there anymore. Cole Swider tipped in a last second layup, but you had Villanova under 50 with less than a minute left to go in their own gym. And that's yeah. 100% because of your stifling defense. Yeah. And that was the lowest scoring game that Villanova played until they played at Providence last year. And the Friars held them to 52 points. And obviously the, Wildcats didn't have Gillespie in that one and more went out just a couple minutes into the game with an injury. So a little bit of a different story there, but still. And then since then, they the only lower scoring games they've had since then, as far as I'm aware, are the games that they've played against Baylor. Got held to 51 points in the tournament last year, got held to 36 points this year. But for yep. the most part, this is a Villanova offense that doesn't really have off nights. You got to force them to have off nights. We know Ed Cooley has the recipe. We've seen him make this one before, but it's a, it's a challenging uh, it's a challenging recipe to actually put together. You got to have the players to do it. I wouldn't be shocked to see some Allen Breed in this one on defense. I think he could be yep. huge. I also wouldn't be surprised if this is not a big game for AJ Reeves. He struggled on defense last time, and if he's still making those issues, he might play less, unless he's knocking down threes like he has been. If he's knocking down threes like he has been, you keep him out there. And I think you need Noah Horkler to step up. You need him to play better defense than we saw last game. I really like the point about Alan Breed, Matt. I'm I'm fairly certain he had a double-double at Villanova last season, him and David Duke. Um, So he's the type... That was, I think, his first start, one of his first starts that he made. It was. It was in the neighborhood of when Jared Bynum went down and Breed earned that starting spot over Greg Gant. So listen, Alan Breed is not foreign to having a good game at Villanova. Um, and to your point about Reeves, and then I'll go into the defensive assignments a little bit. I think Reeves is going to be hit or miss. You know, he has been one of the most important players on the floor over the past four games, you know, against Villanova, he was an offensive spark uh, against Butler. He was quiet until the second half, but hit two really important critical threes late in the game against Xavier, you know, enough said tied the game had a, had a, a fantastic scoring performance. And if anyone doesn't know about his presence on senior night, then you're not a true fire fan. I'll just leave it at that. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can see him, you know, like you said, he struggled defensively against Villanova last time. I can see him being the offensive spark that we need. Maybe he's not scoring 20 plus points, but if he drains a couple of threes and gets his confidence up, this is his last time playing Villanova too. Um, hey, and, not necessarily, not not necessarily uh, yeah, anybody's uh, last the, time playing Villanova here. We still got a Big East tournament to play in the regular season. Asterix. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Uh, um, and to, to circle back to the point about uh, defensive assignments, Noah Horkler and Justin Manaya. You know, um, Manaya. 
obviously in the first half struggled against Justin Moore, but I think Justin Moore's, you know, scoring profile from that game, 18 first half points, one second half point. And if I, if I think that I'm correct, it came when he missed two free throws at the foul line, uh, got when he got fouled scoring a three. So you got to give Mania a ton of credit for the adjustments that he made on Justin Moore. The, this leaves a hole now for Colin Gillespie, because if you can take care of Justin Moore, that's obviously a, a scoring threat. You need to get rid of Gillespie too. So this is where, like you said, Alan Breed, Al Durham, Jared Bynum, the, the triple head monster at the point guard position really needs to step up. You know, we saw AJ Reeves struggle defensively against Colin Gillespie. We saw um, Durham struggle against Colin Gillespie. So whoever gets the, this assignment of him for the majority of the game really needs to hammer down on him because he was the killer last time. You know, Watson did his job. Horkler was fine, but you really need to hammer down on Villanova's backcourt. Yeah. And the other thing, like Brendan Slater and Jermaine Samuels, they're good. I have to say, watching how they played against Providence and then watching how they played against UConn, I was impressed by them. I think they've come into their own a little bit more than I expected them to. They're not not like... They're not going to win awards in the Big East, but they're good players. And I think Horkler struggled at times with Jermaine Samuels last time out. I think he had one of his worst games defensively of the season. We've seen him rebound since then, though. He had three blocks at Butler. He, according to the stats, recorded just one against Creighton. I could have sworn I saw at least two from him. I don't think that's correct. Yeah, that's what the stats say. I, If you check the hype video I put out today on YouTube, you're going to see a clip from Horkler blocking a shot in the game against Creighton, and that's that doesn't go down in the stats as a block. I don't know, I don't know what was going on with the scorekeeping on that play. It's a block. Horkler really had two blocks in that one. Yeah, we've seen him step up his defensive game over the last week and a half. Since then, we're going to need him to keep that profile because the front, and you can dedicate a lot of attention to that front court, and you can. Yeah, I can take them away, but you can minimize their impact. We saw, though, Brandon Slater was knocking down threes to keep them in the game with UConn. I mean, they weren't able to win that game, but it was super close. That came down to the wire, and they relied a lot on their forwards to give them offense. So if the Friars are able to shut down this front court, excuse me, this back court, even a little bit, you need the rest of the defense to show up, especially you look at the last game. There were Gillespie got so many key buckets, but I think Samuels had back to back buckets where he just took Horkler to the hole and got yep. two over. And like, all right, and those those are the plays where you get the one on one matchup and you just got to win it. Villanova won it the last time. That's in the past. You got to win it next time. Yeah, I think that's a great point about <clears throat> Jermaine Samuels and Brandon Slater. Um Villanova plays, you know, a, a similar style of basketball to Providence where you don't have a traditional power forward or, or a small forward. Instead, you have kind of two wings. And that's what you get with Manaya and Horkler, where Villanova has the advantages. They play small ball. You know, Eric Dixon, their center, is, is six foot eight. Jermaine Samuels is six seven. Brandon Slater, I, I believe, is in the six seven, six eight range. They're smaller for their position, but they're quicker for they're quicker than you. They beat yeah. you on the bounce. We saw Jermaine Samuels abuse Horkler with the dribble drive, um, and that's really where this brand of small ball it, it exploits traditional bigs. Um, on the flip side, 
if you can do a good job of shutting down their backcourt, we need to take advantage of our size inside because that's where Villanova gets overwhelmed. Uh, Adama Sonogo was a force for Connecticut. Nate Watson was a force the last time we played them. So the the primary op, the primary focus is shutting down their backcourt and then working on the front court offensively. But like you said, uh, this is all talk. You know, you got to perform on the court, and it starts in the after the opening tip. You you have to stifle them. You have to get them off kilter to begin the game. That's where you have the advantage. And that's where I mean it goes back to finding a way to dictate the game. If you can get Villanova out of a rhythm and get it to where they can't rely on the three ball consistently to be their offense and they have to go through the paint to get things, the Friars are going to have more of an advantage there. If you can clog the paint, I mean, that's not only are they they're going to be quicker than you in some ways at the forward position, they'll also they'll bring the center out, center out. They'll play four out. They'll play five out, out put five guys outside the three point line. All right. Well, now, now, what advantage does Nate Watson give you when you got him standing at the elbow, and the guards on the other side of the court able to drive to the basket? What what good is the rim protector then? Exactly. Situations like that, if you're Providence, you got to stay out of. Voldova's going to get theirs. This is a really good offense with talented players. That's why it's why you don't really see basketball games finish with either team scoring less than 50 points. Defense is hard, and these players are good. You're not. You're probably not holding most of these guys to less than ten points. They're good at what they do. What you got to do is force them to play from behind and force them to be uncomfortable. If you do that, you're going to have a shot. You're going to be in this thing to the end. And I think, honestly, the path to victory for the Friars is probably exactly what we just saw, with the game in Providence. Just flip the script. Instead of Villanova shooting the three and Providence is playing catch up, it's got to be. Providence is dominating inside and they're stopping Villanova from shooting and they're going to be up a possession or two all game, forcing the Wildcats to try to beat them through the inside to get points. Yeah, that's uh, and it's going to be instead of Gillespie hitting the shot at the end, you're going to, it's got to be Watson getting an and one or something like that. It's going to be your play to put the other team away because Villanova just can't get that stop. I think that's a fantastic point, Matt. I, I think maybe not with, with respect to volume scoring, but if you can flip the script to what happened at the dunk and, and reverse it so that the narrative is Providence leads for a majority of the game, Villanova stays within striking range. But at the end of the game, you know, you go your go-to guy gets that play that they just can't guard. Um, we couldn't guard Gillespie's threes. Villanova doesn't have the paint defense to guard Watson. So I, I think you just flip-flop. And not to mention, this also fell during a time period when Providence was playing from behind. We played from behind all against DePaul the game prior. We played from behind the entirety of the game against Butler the game following. Then we played from behind against Xavier. We really, we figured it out against Creighton. So playing from behind for this team is a trend. Obviously, we've been fortunate to have the ball bounce our way and out grit and out clutch Butler and Xavier and DePaul. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're playing from behind against Villanova for the second time in the season, the odds don't look well for you. Yeah, you're asking for trouble if that's the case. A couple other notes in that this one. I don't think you can talk about this matchup without talking about free throws, how important that they are going to be to the outcome of the game. Because the Friars really rely on them. I don't know if rely on them is the right word. The Friars get an advantage at the free throw line in large part because of how good they are at dominating the paint. Villanova, whatever you think about the way their games are officiated, and I think there's a lot of things that could be said, 
they're really good at playing disciplined ball. And if you're, hey, if you're, we've seen it with Providence. If you're a stronger team than the other team, you're going to draw fouls. For Villanova, yep. if you're quicker, you're more disciplined, you're able to drop, you're able to gay, pump fake people into oblivion like that offense is able to. That works at drawing fouls. They may get light contact and get it to the line, but. If that's how it's called, that's how it's called. You got to adjust. So you need the defense to stay disciplined. And the reality is, it's unlikely either team is going to get an advantage at the free throw line, which kind of hurts both sides. Each team relies on that. Like both teams make more free throws than their opponents attempt. Last game, <laughs> you want to hear these numbers are just ridiculous when you look back at them. Villanova attempted 26 free throws, Providence attempted 27 free throws. Combine like that's you spend a quarter of the game at the free throw line. That's the way these teams like to do it, and that's what good teams do to an extent as well. So if you're probably yeah. got to hit, you get a couple things. You got to hit your shots. You got to play as disciplined as you can to try to minimize whatever Villanova is going to get at the stripe. And you got to keep your guys out of foul trouble. So Al Durham, he had four fouls last game. Croswell fouled out. AJ Reeves had four fouls. You got to have guys like that not get in foul trouble. So if a guy, if a guy like Watson gets in foul trouble early, then that's really going to hurt you. If one of these guards gets in foul trouble early and you're, it hurts your defense, that's, that's going to be tough. So discipline is key. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think you said it right there. Defensive discipline is key. Um, <clears throat> basically, you just, you got to lock in. And a lot of times I'll say this too, it is, Defense, you know, you can talk about athleticism. You can talk about the stats. Defense comes with a mental drive and a drive to want to guard. Um, listen, if Villanova gets you on a, on a nasty pump fake and you, you bite and you get the foul, so what? You need to want to, you know, ha- play that lockdown defense on Villanova. And I'm not doubting that our guys want to play that. I, I, I think it, it's just a matter of you need to execute it better. You need to want it it's and then you need to execute <laughs> It's very difficult to do that. Um, yeah. there's, a, there's a reason why Villanova has consistently been a title contender and a top 10 team under Jay Wright, especially with this with these guys on the roster. Heck, we yeah. saw who they lost this offseason, and this offense is still that good. I mean, everybody was doubt. At one point, people were saying, Villanova, this isn't their year anymore. They dropped the 23 in the polls, and yeah, here they are, just outside the top 10. Probably finished in second place in the Big East. Got one of the top offenses. After that Baylor game, they kind of figured things out. So nothing, everything we're saying, it's much easier said than done. And it also, it's going to be in degrees of how it happens. Like, you're not shutting anybody down. I'm going to be shocked if this game happens in a blowout in either way. It's going to be just how the Friars like it. It's going to be close. And it's going to be, all right, you got to get one, two, maybe three more stops than the other team gets. You got to stop that pick and roll one or two more times than you did the last game. You've got to not get bodied in the paint one or two times. You got to not foul one or two times. Like that's, that's how close these games are when you get to the top here. We know that we, again, what have we talked about all season long? Luck, the Friars, late season execution, winning games by the slimmest margins. This is where it matters. You have that experience. This is where it pays off for you. Yeah, I agree. Um, Another thing, you know, uh, and you talk about this late game, quote unquote, luck, which is really toughness, grit, talent, etc. Um, you got to talk about getting guys to the free throw line and making those opportunities. Um, we left eight points at the stripe and lost by five. 
So, and listen, I'm not complaining in any sense of the word about, you know, free throw shooting. I think free throw shooting has been fantastic this year, but I, I, I think late game composure from the free throw line could be a difference maker, especially, you know, look at Al Durham. He only attempted three free throws last game against Villanova. That needs to change this time around. You need to get the ball in his hands. You need to get him driving to the cup because chances are the likes of Dixon or Samuels or Slater is not quick enough to keep up with him and they're going to foul him on the way up. So, you know, you play downhill with your guards late in the game. You get them to the stripe, specifically Durham, Bynum, Reeves. You get the guys that are consistent from the line there. You know, it, it, it closes the gap for you. I won't say that free throws will win the game. They very well could, but they will certainly close the gap. Uh, yeah, this is Nate Watson here. This is an interesting fact for you. Nate Watson attempted the second most free throws he's ever attempted in a game against Nova last time. And I, he had 12 shots. I don't know if that's a good thing. If, if Nate Watson is getting to the line 12 times and Durham's only getting there three times, that's a win for Villanova. Yep. And I, I don't uh, think the Friars shot below their season average from the stripe. That's going to happen when you're sending your big man instead of your guards. Same thing goes for Villanova. They had one of their worst free throw shooting nights of the year against Providence. So I expect both teams to shoot better there. I think if the Friars can shoot better from the free throw line and still not really make up much of an advantage there, unfortunately, because God, Villanova is just so good at that. It's so annoying. They're just, they are the villains of the big East because of their discipline. Um, because of the Jay Wright's ability to work the refs, you know, you, you can go down the line um, at the end of the day, you know, they do all the right things at the right time. And that's why, you know, as fans, you hate to play them, but you still have to, and you still have to do it twice. That's the, the beauty of the double round Robin. So with respect to, to that comment, you have the opportunity to play them a second time and to steal back the win. that they took from you at home. Um, Colin Gillespie had a career night on our floor. Let's have one of our guys have a career night on their floor. You know what I'm saying? Like, and with that, keep in mind, it took Villanova, one of Villanova's best offensive performances and a career night milestone for Gillespie to only beat us by five. So, you know, we, 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 kick, we kick on the defense and, and we dial in. It could be a very different game. I think if you played these teams played each other a hundred times, I don't know, 90 of them would be within five points or at least within 10 points. That's that's just how these teams are. I'm going to be shocked if it's anything other than a close game Tuesday night at the Finneran Pavilion. Joe, you got any last words before we wrap this one up? I think regardless of the outcome, um, and I really need to take my own advice with this one, the, the Friar Nation as a whole needs to be satisfied with this season, you know? Um, very, 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 very rarely because it's never happened before. Have you gone into a matchup with Villanova already hoisting the Big East regular season championship trophy? This game is for bragging rights. So regardless of the outcome, you have to you have to look back at the season proud and with a big smile as to what this team has accomplished. Um, obviously, there is a lot of basketball left to be played. We have a tournament next weekend and then March Madness begins after that. It all starts on Tuesday, though. So you go in there dial in defensively and you know hopefully you steal a win back from the team that beat you at home friars they've had their sunday they got whipped cream on it they got a little chocolate sauce now you're just playing for the cherry tuesday night yep hopefully hopefully looking ahead you can add some sprinkles next week but this is for the cherry game is 6 30 tuesday night fox sports one joe 
We got the top announcing duo on this one. It's Gus Johnson Finally. and Bill Raftery. They're back. Love having those guys on the call. Just two, two of the best. I got to meet. I think I said this on the podcast. I got to meet Gus Johnson. Such a nice guy. Yeah. Love him. Love him. Um, so, yeah, you know it's a big game when it's those guys on the call. This is the only Tuesday night game in the Big East. They're, this is the spotlight, and it's kind of been there all season long. Everybody knew this is going to be one of those games. It's lived up to the billing. Again, Finneran Pavilion, 6.30 p.m., Fox Sports 1. The 24-3, and 14-2 and in-conference, first place in the Big East, champions of the Big East in the regular season, Providence Friars. They're going to be on the road. Villanova at 21 and 7, 14 and 4 in conference, second place in the conference, coming off a loss to UConn. They've only lost back-to-back games once this season. Friars trying to do it, force that on them for the second time. It's number 11 versus number 9. It's going to be a good one. Make sure you're right here after the game to catch our thoughts on the Providence regular season finale. This is the Flex Hoops podcast. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you're listening to this. Follow us on Twitter. Go check out the uh, little hype video I put on YouTube. I think you guys are going to like that. So go take a look at that. And uh, yeah, throw, us, throw us a rating. I know on, uh, on Apple Music, you can write a little review if you want to. We always appreciate your kind words. Leave us a, a nice five-star review or... Don't review us if you don't like us. That is perfectly okay. If you're a Villanova fan coming here, you don't like the slant we got, you can go back to the Villanova side of things. That's all right. But yeah. <laughs> for Joe Howie, I am Matt St. Jean. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you after the game. Go Friars. Go Friars.